What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast. I'm Shapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. I'm fiending for basketball to start again, uh, specifically NBA. I know the WNBA is, is ongoing, uh, but yeah, I, I miss the NBA, and I'm, I'm ready for even, even the preseason to get going. Yeah, me too. I'm not really a football guy, to be honest. And when, when the playoffs happen, like, I'll watch a little bit. I kind of I kind of can't watch football for a long period of time anymore. It gets, it gets too gruesome for me. But I am just waiting for the NBA. And, and uh, yeah, usually this period where, like, the U.S. Open ended a few weeks ago, and it was pretty great. Novak Djokovic got hurt, which sucked. But it was a fun tournament otherwise. Usually this period between that and preseason, I'm just really just waiting for – sports and maybe watch a little football but it's not really my thing so I'm really just waiting for the season to start and there's been you know there's been a lot of Clipper pickup Clipper just Clippers playing with each other on the court in LA and kind of already vibing with each other we've seen pictures of Kawhi on the court we've seen Paul George on the court too just like shooting around um just super exciting we've seen Pat Beverly already talking trash and Everybody, all your usual characters, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, everybody just kind of working out like you would expect them to. Yeah, that's exciting. Do you think anything of, I mean, seeing Paul George on the court is exciting, I suppose. But do yeah. we read much into any of this? Not particularly. I mean, it's always a good thing to see guys working out together before the start of a season. But I mean, plenty of teams that haven't done well or have had bad chemistry have done that too. So I don't think it's necessarily you know, an all telling sign of, of great chemistry or, or a great oncoming season. Uh, you know, it's definitely a good thing. It's, you know, it's good that these guys all got together and wanted to work out together well before even training camp began. So that's good. I mean, like you mentioned, I think Paul George being back working out is, is a good sign. Clearly does not seem to be participating in contact basketball yet, which is not surprising, but even just seeing him shooting, uh, running, doing weightlifting type of exercises. That's all good to see. So, I mean, he should be staying in shape and relatively conditioned considering it's a few weeks before training camp. So even if he can't do contact and might be a little bit behind basketball wise, at the very least he should be ready from a strength and conditioning standpoint, which is, which is really good to hear. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think we really don't know the timeline at all, but there were at one time reports that he might miss the first six weeks of the season considering that it's several weeks before training camp and he's already doing some level of basketball activity, I'm guessing he won't miss that much, which is a really good thing. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to, you know, it's really hard to say the nature of the beast with shoulder injuries. um, But it looks promising to see him out there. I'm sure we'll hear more once training camp kind of gets underway and it's pretty exciting. Speaking of our players, Trez, Lou Williams, uh, Landry Shamet, who we've actually also seen out there on the court, Kawhi, Paul George, all of these guys have kind of been part of uh, – actually, Trez, Beverly, Lou were part of the top 100, as well as obviously Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Landry Shamet and Michael Green were on the snubs list. But it's kind of – we're talking about the SI top 100. You already wrote – a piece on this Rob so we can kind of start with your thoughts and you can read more of it on Clips Nation what did you think about the top 100 and where our guys were ranked so I actually I thought this the top 100 was mostly pretty good um 
I don't know Rob Mahoney very well. He's the guy who did it this year, uh, but he's he's pretty well respected. And you know his his rankings I thought were pretty good. Obviously, I had quibbles with it. Like Lamarcus Aldridge, I think was 16th, which was seemed way too high. And I'm a I'm a kind of a Lamarcus Aldridge fan actually. Like I think he's kind of gotten dumped on unfairly at various points in his career. But he is just not like a top 20 NBA player anymore. Um, just he's still very good. He was I think I still would have had him as an All Star last year. But he's more like in the late 20s or early 30s I think at this point. And that was that was odd. Uh, but in terms of the Clippers rankings, I mean I thought they were pretty good. Uh, Kawhi at two, I actually think is too high, uh, which angered a lot of Clippers fans when I wrote that. But <laughs> it's a regular season ranking. It's not like, you know, who is the best player in the NBA. It's like on a game-to-game basis throughout this upcoming NBA season, who's the guy you'd have the most? At least that's kind of how I interpret it. And he's just not one of them. And I think just on a game-to-game, 82-game regular season basis, there are several other players who I'd rather have that's not a knock on Kawhi. It's just, you know, the fact of his load management, which we've heard he might not do, but I will remain unconvinced until I see it. And the fact that last year on defense, he coasted for a lot of it. He wasn't bad. I don't think he was, you know, James Harden defensively, but he wasn't like an all defense defensive player of the year caliber player for most of the regular season last year. He would turn it on when he needed to and rested a lot of the time, and I'm completely fine with that. I think that's a good strategy. Um, but I think to some extent his regular season impact was probably a little overstated. The Raptors were just really, really good last year. Uh, Paul George at nine I think is pretty perfect. Lou Williams at 53, I probably would have had him somewhat higher, uh, but I can see it because it's not what he was last year. It's going to this year. He's in his going into his mid-30s. He's been playing forever. You know, he could slip a little bit, I think, you know, don't think that's unreasonable. Trez and Beverly in the high 70s, low 80s, you know, again, you could argue that they should be a bit higher. The guy I thought probably should have been in the top 100 is Landry Shamit. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew Wiggins was 100, and, like, Shamit is already much better than Andrew Wiggins and should be even better this year, whereas Wiggins I just don't think will get better. So that was kind of questionable. It was, like, the first name on the list was Wiggins, and it was just, eh. um, but, uh, you know, Shamit himself would probably be somewhere in the 90s for me, so I don't think it's some egregious snub or anything. Uh, so I, I mostly thought it was pretty good. Like, I thought the Clippers probably could have been a bit higher. Um, but what did you think about it? I mean, I think I, I with you, I think Paul George was properly ranked. I think nine is pretty much a nice spot for him. I agree with Kawhi. If we're looking at this from a perspective of a regular season idea, which, you know, Giannis, Giannis was one, right? Who was one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Giannis yeah. was one. Giannis was one. I'm trying to open the list right now. It's taking forever. <laughs> Giannis, Giannis was one. Uh, Kawhi was two. I believe Steph was three. Harden was four, and LeBron was five. And then yeah. AD was six. Jokic seven. Embiid eight. If I remember. Wow, correctly. Embiid was eight. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a regular season perspective, I wouldn't put Embiid that high if it's a regular season perspective. But if it's like a single game, I can kind of understand it. Um, LeBron is pretty low. Consider all things. I would have had LeBron above Kawhi. Honestly. Yeah, I don't think LeBron is the fifth best player in the league. I think he's quite a bit above that. Uh, last year's season, just dumpster fire. Ever like your season aside, uh, I, I think Kawhi is maybe a little high. Um, but there are arguments if if you're if you're keeping an idea of like a regular season award, then 
I still think Kawhi is a little high. If it's a one game off, I still think Kawhi is a little high. I think, I mean, I still, it's still kind of arguable about a one game, uh, one game, who would you rather have Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron? I think they're all in the argument. I don't think I would, if we're thinking about two way players, it's hard to really argue Harden and Curry, but Curry is as terrifying as a one shot player as there is in the league. But defensively, you know, he's already had highlights of people scoring against him in big moments. Kyrie Irving's big three pointer is probably the highlight of Kyrie's career and not a particularly highlight for Steph. So it's <laughs> it's hard for me to say that I would put Steph or Harden as like a one game guy over the forwards I just listed. Um, especially Harden, it was just how terrible he is on defense. But um, I think Kawhi, I think an argument can be made for Kawhi for one, one through five. So I'm not going to quibble too much about it. Paul George, I think, is appropriately ranked. As far as the rest of the Clippers, you know, I think Lou is a little low. I, I could see Lou being, you know, 40 or so or 40 to 50 range. Trez, yeah. I could argue for a little bit more. Actually, all of them. Trez, <laughs> Trez Lou, and Bev. All feel slightly low. I think Trez is a top 60 guy, maybe. I, I think, the yeah. This is so interesting to me with Trez because analytics do not like his defense. And a lot of neutral observers who I trust are not super high on Trez. Um, you know, I think there are people who argue the other way that he was better than Lou last year. And I think while Trez is great, I think Lou spoon feeds him a lot of easy buckets. Which oh yeah, and we could tell when Lou was injured how much Trez struggled. Yeah, which I mean, Trez still has great hands and is you know a magnificent finisher. I'm not taking away from Trez. I mean, Lou was trying to speed spoon you know Gortat and Boban and other Clippers big men those baskets, and they were not finishing them because they're not Montrezl Harrell. But you know, I think the defense is a real problem with him. Like he tries. And his highlight reel blocks are, are awesome, but he's just out of position quite a bit. And I could see him being a little higher, but ultimately, like, I think there are arguments against it. Like, I think he's basically in this perfect role, and there's only so good, like, a 25-minute-a-game bench big man can be who's not a great defender. Um, so that's tough. I mean, I think Beverly honestly might have a better argument just because of how great he was like the last three to four months of last year. But there are also arguments like maybe that was kind of a fluke in terms of shooting and insane rebounding. Um, Yeah. But but Beth has always been that guy. He's been a good shooter for a while. He was a good rebounder in Houston. Like he's been that guy. Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think there are, there are arguments for him also about like injuries and health. Right, right, right. Um, Which also go for Lou really and Kawhi and Paul George. Um, so I, what did you think about Jamichael and, um, and Shamit? And what do you, I argued in my piece and the first one that guys like Harkless and Magruder and Zubats were kind of, could have been included on the next 25. And I kind of got some hate for that for overrating them. But I, what did you think about kind of the extra, the next 25 list? I think Shamit can be a top 100 player. Definitely. I think, he, I think he was included around the fringes as a top 100 guy. I think it totally would have been warranted, including with his playoff performance, which was not shiny, but he had a huge three-pointer and he played some good defense, surprisingly, on on the most hard-to-guard guard guard in the league. So I think he's a top 100 guy. Jermichael, I feel like Jermichael was particularly a a revelation for the league in, uh, in that series. So 
I'm not surprised that he's off the top 100. Harkless was hurt a lot of last year, and his shooting percentage was crap uh, from three particularly. So I'm not surprised that he he's off the list. If He could be a fringe guy, but I wouldn't expect him to be on uh, the snubs list for the top for SI. Honestly, he just doesn't have enough cachet. Magruder definitely won't be. Yeah. Uh, Z- Zubat, Zubat would have a little bit of an argument, but he's kind of been dragged in the press uh <laughs> since magic you know and he had a, and he was played off the court in the in the warriors yeah, that does look rough. so i i think i think zubat needs to kind of earn back his graces a little bit i think had this list come at the end of the regular season zubat could have been uh, a snub kind, kind of guy but yeah yeah i mean i'm i mostly agree i mean i think i brought up that harkless mcruder and zoo could be in there and I stand by it like i don't i wouldn't be strongly opposed to them being off or on but I think there are arguments to be made. Um, and Jermichael, I think, was is pretty perfect in the honorable mentions list. So I was mostly fine with it. I thought the Clippers were ranked really well on the yeah. whole. Um, Where would you put Jerome Robinson in the list? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the ESPN always does their like, top 450 or 500 or whatever. I'm very curious to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I'm going to guess he's somewhere in the early 300s. <laughs> Oh, man. Over under on three hundred. <laughs> over under three hundred. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with over. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So now I'll confuse myself. Would over be that he's? Oh going... yeah. Over. I'm going over with above three hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I'm... And I, I think I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Anyways, so enough. But, of um, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's really all I have to say about. The, the sports illustrate it's just it's a good list and it's a good to get you know some conversation going around this time of year when there's really nothing i'm sure espn's ranking will get some ire flowing because that one will not be nearly as accurate uh because it's more of a group thing and there will be some idiots who you know have derrick rose still as like a top 50 player or something so <laughs> um yeah but there was some other news that came out a couple days ago that i'm sure you were pretty deeply invested in probably more than me, which was the retirement of Sean Livingston. Yeah. Um, I love Sean Livingston. There was some chatter on, on clips nation about him when he retired and I can't, I, I have nothing but love for Sean. I was okay with the idea of him maybe playing one season with the Clippers, just from a nostalgic standpoint, I watched Sean Livingston get hurt live. I watched Sean Livingston play well before that too. Um, I'm going to miss him a lot. I, I, he wanted to be a Clipper. It was, it was well known in the media that he wanted to come back to the team to kind of put a loop on his career. And unfortunately we didn't have room for him. And he's just kind of, he's kind of not, not where we would need for a contributing, you know, lead uh, contributing guard of the bench, unfortunately. And he probably had an idea about that, which is how badly he had to prepare just to get on the court with his knees. So I'm going to miss Sean a lot. You know, funny enough, I think my favorite moment with Sean Livingston, you know, there's there are a handful of when he was a Clipper. He just was so cerebral. I really yeah. thought that he had great vision. But my favorite moment was actually when he was a wizard. He was actually on <laughs> – when I played fantasy basketball, I looked for every reason to pick up Sean Livingston. I played on a 20-team <laughs> league, keeper league. I played all, with a bunch of, bunch of people that were much older than me. It was very, very competitive. Um, and whenever Sean played for the for – the, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, blah, blah, blah. I used to keep really hard uh, a look on what was going on with him. And I think it was maybe 
Randy Foy, who might have gotten injured on the Wizards, oh which, pro- which prompted uh, Sean Livingston to start. And I picked him up immediately just for fun. And he was good. He averaged like 10 and 5. He was a steadying force. He didn't play too many minutes. But it was when the league kind of saw that he could play again. And I had league pass, and I was pretty young still. So I got to – I still watched a lot of basketball outside of the Clippers, which I don't do as much now. But I watched him a lot on the Wizards. And he was good, man. I was, I was really excited for him. I was really happy to see him just being a competent basketball player. You could still see his headiness and, like, how smart he was, even though, he, like, he knew where to go. He picked his spots. He never took bad shots. Uh, He almost kind of reminded me a little bit of like late era Rod Strickland. Like Rod Strickland is such a smart player. Mm -hmm. He was a little bit faster, obviously, than Sean. But he never took bad shots. He never took threes. He was a good mid-range guy. He was much shorter than Sean, which was a disadvantage for him. But just like that kind of cerebral, like that kind of basketball IQ was what Sean brought to the Nets and then what he brought to the Warriors. And and, I – as much as a, as as excited as I was when Sean was a rookie and when Sean was just starting with the Clippers, we thought he was a point guard of the future, I was probably even more excited to watch him rehab and watch him become a, a competent, serviceable basketball player again after what was like the worst injury I've ever seen in a game. Every time Sean dunked after that, I was so paranoid about him falling weirdly on his legs. But kudos to him. He, he, has a, he had a great career. He did great. Yeah, he really did. I mean, I think it was it was pretty obvious how much respect he has in the NBA when you just look at the Instagram posts and there are hundreds of NBA players and former NBA players uh, coming out to give him props. Just, you know, one of the most widely liked, respected guys in the NBA. Uh, and he will always be thought of as a warrior now and, and honestly for good reason. But I think, you know, he does still have connections to the Clippers and does still think of the Clippers. Like you mentioned, there were rumors that he wanted to come back it would have been cool to bring him in just for like one day just to have him on the team again or something. But uh, he was really only on the team for a few years. <laughs> Fans got really attached to him. Um, yeah. But I mean, unfortunately. Like an iconic, an iconic look, by the way. Yeah. Like, is his whole like look very much like fit with the, with the Darius Miles, Q Richardson era that came before him. But like, he looked just super cool. He was this tall, lanky point guard with a huge fro. <laughs> You just, like, looked like a badass. Yeah, it was great. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was that's early for me because I was, I was you know, fairly young at the time, and I do remember, have memories of him on the Clippers. But, um, you know, I think I first remember really watching him when he was actually on the Wizards, like you mentioned, when he was, he was really the first stop where he was good again, which I think was, like, 2010-ish. Yeah. Uh, and then he was on them again on, in 2012, I believe, and then looked like he was going out of the NBA again because he was pretty bad in the second stint there and then came back with the Nets and was good. And then the rest was history on the Warriors. But, yeah, I mean, just a, a really great career. Definitely fell off a lot the past couple years, so it's not really surprising he couldn't find a team. Uh, it's also possible he might have had you know training camp offers but didn't really want to go through with that. I don't blame him. You know, I've read there are stories about how tough it is for him to like warm up now and get that knee really warmed up and ready to go. So it's not surprising at all to me that he retired. In fact, it was kind of surprising to me that he was still looking uh, for another year, even with the Clippers, which had some nostalgic memories as well as the chance to win another championship. I thought he was just going to retire point bank period. 
after this year. So it, it wasn't surprising. I do hope, you know, maybe there's a chance he finds his way back to the Clippers either as a coach or in the front office role. Um, you know, he definitely seems like the type of guy who'd stick around in the NBA in some capacity. But, you know, with a lot of these guys, I, I imagine he'll want a little bit of time away from basketball before coming back. So I wouldn't expect that anytime soon. But it wouldn't shock me if eventually, you know, he came back and was associated with the Clippers one way or another, which would be really great. But, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was cool that he got that much love and support. It was, it was really nice to see, and I'm just happy for him. He had a, a really great 15-year career after it looked like it might only be a three- or four-year career, and he really made a lot of himself, as well as made a lot of money, so props on securing some bags. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's really much else in the way of Clippers news. Training camp is two weeks away. Uh, media day is exactly two weeks from today in, in L.A., and then they'll have a couple days there before going to Hawaii for the rest of training camp and then a couple preseason games. Uh, is there anything else Clippers uh, news-related you want to talk about before getting into some more uh, last-year reviews? One, one more thing about Sean. <laughs> he, he had a he had a really underrated um, finals against the Cavs in 2014. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying he had like a finals MVP type of thing, but he had some really good games that series. I was paying close attention because I know I know Steph wasn't the best, and Iguodala ended up winning that MVP. But but Sean had some really sneaky games in that series, and it really made me appreciate him even more. And I was only really <laughs> – the only thing I really wanted in that series, the only thing that would have been good for me is if Sean Livingston had somehow won finals MVP. But he was sneaky good. And really, he was he was a sneaky good warrior the whole time. I kind of feel like Sean unlocked that team to an extent because Mark Jackson, like, tried to use Iguodala in that kind of – he was trying to run – He was yeah. you, you, could, you could really see this, especially at the end of our series with them where he put Iguodala kind of in the point guard situation and tried to run floppy for both Clay and Steph, and Iguodala just couldn't orchestrate it. And Livingston could. And, like, Livingston had the vision to do that. Not saying that he, like, was the, you know, was the Pandora's box key or something to the team. <laughs> but he absolutely, like, helped further, you know, propagate what they wanted to do. And uh, I don't know. I just really admire that Sean came back from that injury because I really thought that he was going to be the point guard for the future, but he came back in any capacity and played that well for a team that needed him, absolutely like needed him, because they had didn't have that much depth, especially after they lost Barbosa after that first year, and they got yeah. Durant, and they couldn't really get the guys that they had before. Like They really needed Sean, so he was, um, he was a huge piece to arguably one of the best teams in NBA history, so... Uh, that's it. I just, I just like, I'm going to miss Sean. I re- always followed him after he left the Clippers and I always rooted for him. So I, when he was briefly a thunder or, or part of the thunder, I thought about how cool it could be if he was just part of that team and like grew up and like got his legs back under him. He was very briefly, I think part of Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that went away. He wasn't ready then, but I'm just happy that he had a career. So it's, um, it's really cool that, he had such a great part in what was a very great team, even if it wasn't the Clippers, even if it was the Warriors too. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I have too much else to add to that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how we're gonna feel about Shea. Just watching him. Oh my god, I'm definitely gonna be watching Shea wherever he goes. 
Hopefully he doesn't have any injuries like that, though. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he seems like he's putting on some muscle, but yeah, he is still lanky, so I, I hope that Shea is okay. Anyways, so we can go to Tobias and, uh, and Gallo. So before we kind of look at their maybe their months or their notable games, Tobias Harris, um, you know, obviously not a Clipper anymore. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts going to be? I feel like we've talked about Tobias before and just generally how we're going to feel about Tobias Harris. But his season, his half the season with the Clippers, how are you going to remember that? And uh, did we talk about Tobias before? I almost feel like this is a very familiar to me talking about Tobias. I mean, I think we probably talked about him after the trade. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've really talked about him too much since then. Maybe just in the context of the Sixers and their playoff run. I really like Tobias. I enjoyed him. Um, you know, I think he's really good. I think he's, he's kind of swung between over and underrated since he's, yeah, since maybe the last couple of years, I think there's some people who think he was the best player in the Clippers last year. That was not the case. And there are other people who think, you know, he's not worth that much money and it just isn't all that good. I think he is extremely good. Um, but he's very hard to peg. He's a really classic fringe star guy where I just, the Sixers definitely paid too much money for him, but they kind of had to. Um, but I mean, he's really good. I mean, he's an excellent outside shooter at his height. That's a big advantage. He can shoot over anybody. He's a good rebounder. He's really improved there the past couple of years. He's a better defender than people think. Certainly not good. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's a bad defender either. Like, in the right matchups, I think he's a plus. Even on his worst days, I don't think he's a huge negative. Uh, you know, not a great passer, but he'll move the ball. Really just doesn't have too many weaknesses. Uh, you know, it's always kind of can fade in and out of games a little bit. Can't create his own shot as well as you'd like for somebody on a max deal. But really good, awesome guy, great teammate. Um, you know, I don't have the same connection with him, obviously, as, you know, Shea or, or some of the other guys who've been around the Clippers more, just had, you know, more emotional impacts with the Clippers, like Pat or Lou. But I'm going to be rooting for Tobias. Like, I like the Sixers. I, I don't really like Ben Simmons, but I still really like Tobias. I like Mike Scott. And, yeah, I mean, like, if I'm rooting for any team in the East, it's going to be them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, awesome for him for getting his money. Like, the Clippers were not going to give him that much. And it was clear that that was just not going to happen. They didn't even want to give him four slash 80. And he got like, what, five, 176. So honestly, awesome for him. Like, he's a great guy. He deserves it. And yeah, I'm happy for him. But I'm I'm very glad the Clippers are not paying him that kind of money. Yeah, me too. I'm happy for Tobias. I feel like we've, we've talked about his games. We might mention them a little bit. The Spurs game really sticks out to me. That Spurs road win more than anything else. And, of course, the game winner he hit right before we kicked him off the team against, I think it was Charlotte, right? Charlotte. And he was he, he couldn't miss. And the team couldn't miss. That was a, a three-point barrage, uh, one of a few that we had. We had one against Charlotte. We had one against the Warriors. And we lost that game just barely in Oakland. Um, but that was, uh, that was a great game to remember. Tobias in general, um, I've never seen so much um, – goodwill between teams with a blockbuster trade as I've seen between the Clippers and the Sixers like the Sixers on you know the Clipper Reddit or on Clips Nation or wherever seem to be really cheering for Landry Shamit missing him a lot saying good luck with everything thanks for Tobias and 
they love Bobby and they love Tobias and we sit them over and Mike, and Mike Scott for that matter, who had a big shot in the playoffs in the, that first round uh, series against the Nets. And uh, we have a lot of goodwill towards them and we are not, they're not too bitter about losing their pick or a lot of goodwill. And I kind of always root for the Sixers even before this trade, you know, I kind of wanted to root for the Raptors more than anybody out East, but I was secretly hoping for them to fail as has been <laughs> publicized by this podcast because of uh, Kawhi Leonard. Turns out it didn't matter. But um, so the Sixers have always kind of been my team out East and they will continue to be. I'm, I'm rooting for Tobias. I'm glad they prioritize Tobias over Jimmy Butler because I just feel like Tobias won't rock the boat as much as Jimmy Butler is. And he's still getting better. Or at least he's plateaued and will stick to that plateau for a while. Jimmy Butler, I don't know how many miles he has left. And plus, he's just kind of – he can really tilt a locker room one way or the other. So I like Tobias. I like them keeping Tobias. And I just like their team. I like Mike Scott too, who I think also is got a deal, right? Is Mike Scott staying? He is. He's staying in Philly. They love him there. It's, it's yeah. really cool that they've, like, adopted him – we may as well throw Mike Scott in here. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I don't have too much to say. He was only a Clipper for half a year. was a bench player. But it's really cool that, you know, the Sixers kind of embraced his his attitude and his toughness and just his don't-give-a-shit vibes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's perfect in a place like Philly. And, uh, yeah, his whole hive there is really cool on Twitter. It's, it's just great to see. And, yeah, I mean, they love him there. Uh, Tobias, I think you mentioned, is actually his personality is a great – fit I think between Embiid and Simmons definitely more humble than either of those guys um but somebody probably with the cachet to just tell them to shut up when they're getting too cocky or you yeah. know just barking at each other you know so I, I think he's a really good fit there personality wise as well with Jimmy Butler's probably would have been too many egos you know between him Simmons and Embiid that probably was not a great combination in that sense so yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Mike Scott. You know, I, I don't think too many Clippers fans are, are going to be obsessing over them. But I think, like you mentioned, there's just a lot of goodwill towards those guys and, and to Bobby as well. Tobias had a nice clip uh, when he was a sixer about there's a Laker fan in an elevator with him that you might have seen, Rob. And uh, he just started videotaping him and asking him about the game. And then Tobias is like, <laughs> shut, shut him down because of his Lakers hoodie. And uh, that was awesome. It, it feels like Tobias isn't particularly bitter with the Clippers, which is, a, which is a nice thing too, considering that dude's been traded all the time from every team. It uh, doesn't seem like there's ill will, and he got paid. So I think it was a win-win for the team, uh, for both teams, and they ended up keeping uh, Tobias and Mike Scott. So yep. it worked out for them too. They didn't just let, let Tobias walk or anything. Yeah, so, and quickly before we get into Gallo, I would say that my favorite Tobias game – was one that I got to see in person. I was living up in the Bay Area at the time, and uh, I went with a couple of friends to watch the Clippers in Sacramento uh, oh, yeah. on November 29th, and he was so good in that game. He just dominated them. The Kings were small for most of the year until they got Harrison Barnes. They just could not stop me. He had 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, no turnovers, 11 of 17 for the field, three of five from three, made all three of his free throws, just got wherever he wanted. Just I can't even believe he missed any shots in that game. Just seemed to be making everything. And just, it was a clinic. Um, that was one of the games where, like, he really did look like an all-star caliber player. I mean, 28-6-4. and four. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was probably my favorite game. I got to see that in person. And he was just sucking the life out of 
uh, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> um, the King Zoo Stadium. Um, oh yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, um, but he was really, really great in that game, and you know he tailed off at times. Like there were there were too many games where he just didn't make enough of an imprint to really be an All Star game. But there were a bunch of games last year where he looked really, really, really good. Um, and yeah, that it was it was awesome that he got to leave on that Hornets game. It was yeah, that was a great shot. That was a tough shot he made. Yeah, leading, he had 34, seven and five in that game. He also killed it in the fourth quarter. He was hitting. Th- he was hitting a ton in that fourth. He was. Yeah. He was great. It was yeah, it was awesome. It was a great note to send him out on. That was one of their twenty point comebacks. Right. Right. Um, not quite as good as the Boston one. Um, Probably better than the Pistons one because the Pistons are just dog shit. Yeah, I'm with the, yeah. So it was it was good. Um, it was a really it was a really good game to to send him out on, and then. There's a there's the best Clippers player from the 2018-19 season, which is Senor Gallinari, um, who honestly, for considering how bad his 2017-18 season was, just left with so much goodwill uh, after last year, where he was just fantastic. I think we kind of dogged him at times just because he's not always necessarily the most fun player to watch, and his weaknesses can be kind of glaring. He's a ball stopper. You know, he takes his time with his moves, and it can be very frustrating, but he was just so damn good last year. Gallo, I'm glad that Gallo closed with a couple of good games against the Warriors because he kind of soured a little bit, especially that middle portion of the Warriors series um, and game one, actually. Uh, really, just in the first few games, he was not very good. In, the, in game two, he was he was better but he kind of turned it on late. And then the last two games he played well. Gallo is incredible, man. Like, he, you don't think that somebody with his – he's a tall, big dude, but he's so slow now, at least, that you just wouldn't expect him to outsmart you. And he does all the time. He's such a smart guy. He's a great relationship with the basket, as we, we got from that Grizzlies quote. I was at – I was at that game, the the game where he got fouled from three and hit all three free throws. We were down like eight or something with like with like yeah. a minute and ten seconds. That's something crazy. And I accepted the loss. Like I was I was there. I was bummed. I'm like, damn. And the Clippers, I think at that point, were fighting the Grizzlies at that point for like the best record in the West. As insane as that sounds. Yeah. And uh, and that was a great that was a trademark win. And they came back, they won that game. It was very Clippers. Montrez Harrell had a huge shot in overtime to kind of seal it. Had a couple of huge shots in overtime. And that was the Gallo had a great quote after that. And Gallo is just such a lovable guy. He seems like the, a great locker room presence, super positive, and just super smart. He just knows when to shoot, knows his shots. And as annoying and frustrating as some of his ISO ball stuff was, he was our only guy of that sort, you know? We didn't yeah. have anybody else that could just, you know, get the ball in the post or get the ball and make a play that didn't involve, like, an immediate pick and roll like Lou does. And he was the only guy that could that could really just get a bucket when we needed it. And he had some very underrated defensive plays. I remember that Kings game, speaking mm-hmm. of a Kings game, where he took that charge. Yep. Yep. He just played, like, like, crap all game. I think we were texting each other. We couldn't believe that happened and he took that charge from I think maybe Harrison Barnes Mm -hmm. and won the game and uh, that was a huge game that really like kind of that kind of yeah pretty much man I mean that game pretty much 
took them out of contention for the playoffs after they were they seemed like they were not a near lock, but they were, had a ton of momentum before that. And, of course, before the injury to their rookie, who, of course, they missed a lot during that stretch. But um, that was huge. And Gallo just consistently made plays like that, hit big shots, hit big buckets, was a great just calming influence in, in an era where – we didn't really have a clear-cut leader, and he was kind of that guy, him and Lou, and Tobias to an extent. But Gallo, I agree with you. You know, it's kind of an arguable take uh, with some Clipper fans, but he was the best player on the team last year. And from what was probably, you know, a lot of people's favorite Clipper season. So that goes for something. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned the underrated defense. Every couple of weeks – during the season or, or in the immediate off season or whatever, I would see stuff about how Gallo is a bad defender or just, you know, not, he's a good defender. He's yeah. not great. Like he's not an all defensible player or anything, but he's good. Like he's just always in the right spot. He tries just being that size and having his length is a huge help. He's good on that end. But really, I mean, last year it was just, he made everything like at some, at bottom, it's just a game about scoring and Gallo just, he shot 46% from the field, which is pretty good for a wing that's mostly perimeter-based. 43% of his threes on five-and-a-half game and shot 90.4% from the line while getting there six times a game. This is bananas efficiency. Yep. Um, yeah, 63.3% true shooting, which is wildly good. Uh, and to put into context, I mentioned earlier that I'd have Steph Curry above Kawhi. Steph Curry usually hits that number on a really high usage rate, which you know speaks to how good Steph Curry is. But anyway... Uh, Gallo was just great last year. Like, I put him above LeBron for third-team All-NBA. He was not better than LeBron James, but I think in the spirit of the award and how much he meant to a team that actually won and made it to the playoffs, you know, I thought he deserved that. And, like, yeah, LeBron is better, but he, as I think Lucas mentioned, he would have been on the fourth-team All-NBA just a really great season. He was a top-25 player in the league last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, a great personality too, like not necessarily a guy you think of as being super tough, but just fit in great with the Clippers mentality was never gave up on a game, very spirited, a hilarious interview, you know, the great yeah. with the basket and, <laughs> you know, it says something that on a team with Pat Beverly, Montresero, Lou Williams, guys who very obviously were big parts of the team and probably more. Uh, not idolized, but were seen as, you know, bigger pieces on the team than Gallo was, that he's the guy who took the champagne bottle when the Clippers... Oh, I loved it. Spot. Yeah, it was so um, great. Yeah, really I mean, effectively did that, by the way. I, I would have no idea how to do it so effectively like Gallo did. Yeah, Gallo obviously, obviously not his first rodeo. Oh, yeah. Gallo definitely parties hard. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be weird watching him on this Thunder team with, you know, Chris Paul and, and Shea. Like, I don't know how long that's all going to last, but um, it's going to be something. I think that team could be really, really good if mm-hmm. if the big if he and Chris Paul can stay healthy. Um, but, like, those are two of the best 30 players in the NBA if they're healthy still. And, um, you know. What a, what, a weird, oh, what a weird team for the Clippers, man, to watch. Clipper fans to watch. Just oh, yeah. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, just like the past and the future and just everything coming together. But, yeah, I mean, Gallo just had one of the – in terms of just being from the first season to the second season, how fans thought of him, how fans will think of him, 
just that that huge difference between what was such an awful first season, which also coincided with the complete ending of Lob City, and then you know to some extent people might have thought was on him. I mean, there's a lot else going on, like Beverly got injured and, and Blake was in and out of injuries and DJ was declining. But like if Gallo was healthy and better that year, things might have been different. Um, yeah. You know, Blake and DJ might have stayed, but he wasn't and that team kind of fell apart and it was over. And also like he and Blake just would never have worked because Gallo's a yeah. four, Blake is a four. Right. And playing him there really unlocked this Clippers team last year. So it was just great to watch him. You know, I'm wishing him the best in OKC. I hope he's able to stay healthy. And I hope he gets he has one more big contract left in him. I hope he stays healthy this year, has a really good year, and then gets another big contract, to, you know, to ride out his career somewhere. And it would, be, if, it would be nice if he could get a ring sometime. You know, he's been around the NBA for a long time, had some really good seasons. Uh, I don't think has ever made it to a conference finals. So... Mm-hmm. It would be good to see him on, on a really good team also before before he leaves the NBA. Yeah, Gallo, Gallo was part of two of the most kind of respected teams without a star in NBA history with the Nuggets and the Clippers. So just a, he seems like a title player. You know, if he was a third option on a team, I, you could win a championship with him. So I, I would love for him to really get his due and to get his love by going deep in the playoffs with a, with a playoff team in the future. And he's just, he's, you know, he had a lot of hype coming into the Knicks and he was initially kind of a high flyer and had a lot of uh, charisma and everything. But the league has sort of forgotten Danilo Gallinari ever since he got traded to the Nuggets. And I, I think that's kind of unfair. I think last year kind of showed how good he is. I think Nuggets fans know how good he is because a lot of them really hated losing him. And I think that he's kind of just an underappreciated you know, borderline star in this league. So I really hope that he can go deep sometime in the near future, just so people can get him his love. It sucked that he, we played the Warriors for Gallo more than anything. Because if we would have been on the other half of that West bracket, Gallo would have really gotten some love. We could have maybe advanced and maybe even gone to the conference finals, ironically enough, with this team. And Gallo would have been the guy. So... It's kind of a shame for, for this team's sake that we had the Warrior for Gallo's sake that we drew the Warriors in that first round because this is just an awful matchup for him. So, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna miss Gallo uh, and and Toby and, and Mike Scott. I'm wishing all of those those guys the best. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think I have too much else to say on those guys. You know, they were good Clippers. They were parts of one, really two of the more fun teams. And even the 2017-18 season, I think, will be a bit forgotten because they didn't end up making the playoffs. And it just had somewhat less memorable years from guys like Gallo and Pat Beverly, who both missed most of the year with injuries. But that 17-18 season was really fun. Tobias Harris was a big part of that as well. Um, so, yeah, those those guys will be missed. But did you have anything else to say before we got into some questions? Not really. Yeah. All right. So... We have just a few questions. I know it's Sunday night and, and the NFL is on. Uh, so the first question is from Thomas Sinkara at Ben Thrifty, very frequent question asker. Uh, so thanks to you. Um, his name is Francis. He's a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> and uh, the skill you'd most want a player on the Clippers roster to learn by the start of the coming season is a really good question. That's good. Yeah. I'll let you go first. Uh, that's a good question. 
I want Zubats's hands to be healed and for him to catch <laughs> passes. I think more than anything, you know, Zubac is putting in, is putting in work. You can see him all the time on these clips that we have. He seems to be a bit leaner. He was at the the bunch of the Clippers played paintball and then went to this went to a football game together today. And he seems to be like kind of building his camaraderie with the team despite just getting married not that long ago. Um, so that's all really positive and reassuring. The Clippers have a lot of hope in him. I want Zubat to be able to catch passes and to run a good pick and roll and to get chemistry with Lou and with uh, with Pat. And I think that's my biggest wish. Is He's my biggest question mark of our starters. If he can be serviceable and even close games at times where we need a defensive anchor down low, then this team is going to go really far. And if, if he's not, then they're going to be kind of panicked in the middle of the season and trying to trade him maybe for – you know, a more reputable center who can take them deep or can be trusted to close games, even though Trez is kind of our our in-lieu starter. So everybody else on the team, we kind of know their roles. You know, Pat, we know who Pat is. We know who Lou is. We know who uh, Paul George and Kawhi are, you know, and our subs are our subs. Shamit, we know, is, is going to be a dead-eye shooter. But Zubat has room to improve, and he he has improved every year. He was badly hurt last year with his hands and his fingers. So I'm hoping that Zuba can just more efficiently run offensive pick and rolls and catch catch passes in traffic and finish at the rim. So, And, you know, if he can hit those threes like we're seeing, that's great. If he can hit those straightaway threes, that's great. I'm not expecting him to make more than one a game, but if he can be a threat out there, that's another nice thing. But I, I mostly want him to be able to finish strong in traffic uh, off pick and roll so he can be a threat as a roll guy. That's a good one. I think Zubats is, is probably the biggest swing piece. Um, I'm going to say, just for the sake of differentiation, I'm going to say I want Shamit to be able to... Right. Uh, it's it's right. kind of a very broad skill, but I just want his ball handling to be a bit better. Uh, he was pretty limited there. I wrote a big piece on him a few weeks ago. You know, he got stuck with the ball a lot and couldn't really do much. He couldn't take advantage of closeouts as much as he might. And I would really like to see him be able – he doesn't need to be Kyrie Irving or Jamal Crawford, but he just needs to be able to take guys off the dribble a little bit. Um, you know, if he gets big switch onto them, just go by them. When guys close out too hard, take a few dribbles in, either find an open shooter, get the ball to a big man, you know, get a little floater up. I just want some improved ball handling from him. But I think Zoo with, with the hands is, is probably the best call, I'd say. Um, yeah. The next question from Charvel Ray. We are seeing a lot of continuity between players on the roster and social media. How do you think that will affect the start of the season, especially if PG-13 isn't expected to play for the first few weeks? Also, what do you think our record will be? Uh, I think it's good that the players seem to be vibing a lot on social media and just and practicing together. I think that's very obviously a good thing. I don't know how much effect that will really have. I mean, I think just the fact that a lot of them have played together last year is a bigger deal than just being buddies on social media. Um, but, I mean, it can't hurt, certainly. And I think 20 games in, I'm going to say they're going to be uh, 13-7. and seven. Yeah, I think, I think 13-7, and seven, maybe even 12-8, and 14-14. Between that 12-14 and 14 range would be nice. It's not an easy schedule, and we won't have Paul George for a lot of it. So I wouldn't be surprised even if they're 12-8. and eight. You know, thirteen and seven. I think that's fine. Hopefully, not eleven and nine. But if they're twelve or thirteen or fourteen, that's kind of reasonable and semi-expected. 
it's great to see them all kind of getting along. Um, I think it's especially good that Jerome Robinson is kind of hanging with the team. And we've seen clips of Pat Beverly kind of trying to take him under his wing a little bit. So that's a good thing. You know, we make fun of Robinson a lot, but we want him to be good, especially with the need for ball handling. So it would be great if he could take a small leap and be that kind of guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've ever questioned like his work ethic or his no, no. desire to get better. I mean, I think that's one of the things that sold the Clippers on him um, was kind of his personality and his drive. So I think, you know, it's, it's good that he's been out there. Um, I haven't really expected otherwise, but it's definitely good. Like you mentioned, Pat was kind of, you know, kind of getting him, riding him to try to get better defensively and coaching him up a little bit. Um, and yeah, it'd be great to have him with a little bit more swagger and confidence this year because, you know, I, I don't think he was ever going to be, you know, a great NBA player, but I think he could certainly have a nice NBA career. And if he can help the Clippers out really at all this year on a semi-consistent basis, I think that's a win for them. Um, so yeah, again, very good thing, um, that he's hanging out with them and, you know, also the young guys, cause I think Terrence Mann was, was at a couple of those. It's right. Him- workout clips he looked pretty good he also looked good in the Rico Hines runs um Mm -hmm. he was in one a few days ago but uh yeah I mean it's also very hard to take much away from these types of things so yeah yeah um okay next question from my dad will clips be kicking Lakers ass again in parentheses this year (laughs) uh we'll see I'm I'm very worried about Anthony Davis um you know the Clippers now have really two of the best guys in the entire NBA to throw on LeBron James and Kawhi and Paul George. And even like Magruder's a bit small, but like he's probably serviceable in a pinch. Um, you know, I think Mo Harkless and Jermichael Green, again, not great. I mean, Mo Harkless, I think is a fairly solid option. Jermichael Green, again, you know, it, could, you could probably get away with in stretches. So I think in terms of dealing with LeBron, I think they're very well equipped. I'm extremely skeptical as to their ability to handle Anthony Davis. Um, I still think their best option might be Paul George, but he could also be their best option, LeBron. So, you know, he can't be two places at once. But um, I think they are better than the Lakers. I think they have a much deeper roster. The star power on the top, you know, is, is roughly equal. It's, you know, each team has two of the top 10 guys in the NBA. I think LeBron on a game to game basis is probably still the best of the crew. I think a strong argument could legitimately be for Anthony Davis as second. Uh, you know, certainly Kawhi also has an argument for first or second. Um, but after that, I mean, the Clippers roster is so much better than the Lakers roster and has way more upside too. So the Clippers, in terms of one-on-one matchups with them, I think could have a bit of difficulty because of AD. But I think they should be the better team this year. And I think they have more upside and a higher potential. Yeah, the Lakers are tough because we don't have anybody guard AD. Maybe, maybe even Kawhi could guard AD a little bit. We saw how successful he was against Giannis when he locked in, but of course AD is even longer than Giannis is, even incredibly, even with how long Giannis is. Um, so he's going to be a problem. And LeBron and, and LeBron and Davis kind of simpatico um, are incredible together. Like they have a lot of synergy that I feel like Kawhi and and Paul George don't necessarily have. So the Lakers are going to be a problem. I, I, I don't know how much of a problem they're going to be because the rest of our roster is pretty bad, and they just signed Dwight Howard. So, uh, I mean, just a mess of a – the rest of their team is kind of a mess. Kyle Kuzma, just 
is there a third guy? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, um, their top two were, is probably better than any other top two in the league. But just the rest of their team, it's just a huge question mark. If we're going to kick their ass, is up for debate. I, I don't. I probably don't know if I can confidently say that now. I didn't think they would last year, and uh, and they didn't. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> we uh, we split their season with them, if I, if I recall correctly. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and I we mean, just lost. had that one huge win against them. Yeah, we had that huge win, which was great, and then we had that massive loss. Right. So so it kind of evened out, and we didn't really beat them down much or anything along those lines. So. I do hope that one of Kawhi or Paul George guards Kyle Kuzma for a lot and just obliterates him. <laughs> yeah, please. That would be great. Kuzma, um, Kuzma's, Kuzma's like, I can't believe Laker fans sometimes when they talk about Kyle Kuzma. I just can't. Yeah. And honestly, like, he seems like a good guy. Um, yeah. You know, he's from Flint. He's pretty invested in their water crisis. Like, I feel bad because he, he really does seem like a good dude. Um, but yeah, just so overrated by them and by other NBA media people. It's just, it's wild. Um, anyway, last question from Lawler's Law, Lawler's underscore Law. With PG out beginning of season, what's your expectations for a team for first 25 games? A bit similar to the previous one. Again, we don't really know PG's timeline, so we don't even know if he will be out the beginning of the season. My guess is that he might miss a few games, but like, he also might not. I, I just – I don't know. The regular season's still over a month away. Um, I think the biggest issue isn't necessarily Paul George's health. It's just integrating him and Kawhi into the Clippers will be interesting. Like, it's always tough adding superstars to a roster and especially adding superstars together to having those guys work with each other, especially since they operate from some of the same spots on the court. Um, you know, Paul George, a better ball handler probably – um, but both of them kind of like to ISO and and like to just get on their man and just kind of bully people uh, with their size and athleticism. So it'll be interesting to see them. And again, I think the Clippers might get off to kind of a slow start just because of, you know, maybe Paul George isn't back or isn't quite fully up to speed and, and the Clippers are still figuring things out. I think that the goal for the first 25 games is just for the Clippers to be pretty good. They don't need to be great. They don't need to be lighting the world on fire, but just pretty good, avoid injuries. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even like 15 and, and 10 would be fine for the first yeah. five games, I think. You know, certainly, you know, a better record would be ideal for seeding purposes, but like 15 and 10 is still perfectly well on track to be a, a good playoff seed. I think that would be fine. Yeah, I think that I'm not going to put too much stock in the beginning of the season and our record and all that. I just hope we don't get too far behind the eight ball. But aside from that, you know, I don't expect us to be world beaters without Paul George, even with Paul George to start. So I don't know how long he's going to be out for. So I feel like we're not going to know until training camp. So if that, so we'll see how long he's going to be out for. And then I'm going to start kind of making my whatever projections, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think 15 and 10 would be perfectly serviceable if we don't have George at all for those games. I still think we'll be good enough to kind of get around that record. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it for Twitter questions. I don't really think I have too much else. Um, you know, our pods might start picking up a little bit yeah. as we get closer to training camp and preseason, but right now there's still not a ton going on in the NBA. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Clips Nation content will definitely start picking up as well. Player previews should be coming 
fairly shortly. I have another division preview tomorrow. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else to say about the Clippers or, or just anything? Yeah, that's mostly it. I mean, I think I think once October hits, we're going to start really being in a groove again um, and being weekly uh, from then on. Might not, you know, maybe I'm not – we still have some player recaps, I guess, to do, so that we'll probably leave that on the agenda. But we still have, you know, a good month and some change before the regular season starts. I'm just inching. I can't wait for the season to start again. Yeah. It's it's a really exciting time to be a Clipper fan. So we're definitely waiting for it. And I think that'll do it for this episode of the Lobs Jam the podcast. As always, leave us a nice review on whatever you listen to us on. And as always, go Clippers! <laughs>